Is it inconsistent that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us, but cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? I felt led to do this biblical research project because there are some who would try to dissuade others from believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because he has punished people over time where people have died. Having read the Bible from cover to cover many times, I wanted to research specifically to see if these consequences were unwarranted as they suggest. To do this research, I will use the New King James Version of the Bible, also known as NKJV, and internet resources as needed. Since the Bible sometimes uses the word him and the word he within the same verse, I will include who is speaking and who is being spoken to within brackets if I determine it's beneficial for clarity. Additionally, I will put my comments, observations, and conclusions within brackets as well. For those who would like to read this research or previous biblical research projects in their entirety, you can go to either of these two blogs I felt led to create. Biblical Proof, found at https colon double backslash Biblical Proof, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-P-R-O-O-F dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Or do biblical inconsistencies really matter? At, found at HTTPS, colon, double backslash, biblical inconsistencies, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-I-N-C-O-N-S-I-S-T-E-N-C-I-E-S dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. The first, the passage I have is from Genesis. Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Chapter 3, 2 through 6. Uh, verses 2 through 6 goes on to say, And the woman said to the serpent, who is Satan, uh, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Ver uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 further says, Then he, which is God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten? This is after they've eaten this from the tree of good and evil. Okay, then he, which is God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Chapter 3, verses, Genesis 3, verses 16 through 19 also says, To woman, he, which is God, said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he, which is God, said, 
because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your brow, no, sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Genesis 3 verses 21 through 24 goes on to say, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put off his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed the cherubim, which is another word for angel, at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Within brackets, then that's how you'll know when I'm commenting. I'll say within brackets, even though God knows Adam and Eve have chosen to eat the forbidden fruit after being tempted by Satan, he closed them and explains their consequence. How, how do we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us? Think about it. How could the exact things done to Jesus be predicted all these hundreds of years before his birth? If it weren't for God's the fathers having prophets write these predictions down to be included in the Bible. God knew that some would doubt, so he left us biblical evidence so we would know Jesus is truly the Son of God by fulfilling these predictions. The prediction in Psalm about Jesus being God's Son, God letting, Jesus, God letting David know something he will say to his only begotten Son, Jesus. Something that God will say to his only begotten Son, Jesus. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. This is from Psalm 2, chapter, uh, verse 7. The New Testament proof this prediction was fulfilled. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That's from Acts. 13 verse 33 this is about predicting a virgin will bear us bear the son of god so this is the prediction therefore the lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good the land that thou abhorrest and ate shall be forsaken of both her kings. That's from Isaiah 7, verses 14 through 16. The New Testament, proof of the prediction being fulfilled. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Also, uh, for telling about the plot to betray Jesus, predicting the 30 pieces of silver Judas was given to betray Jesus and that it's used for the potter's field. This is the prediction. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my prize. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my prize 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was, within brackets, I have priced of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That's from Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled. And they consulted together and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him, which is Jesus, who was prized, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 7 through 10. This is about, this predicts that Jesus' disciple Judas would betray him. And this is the prediction. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. That's from Psalm 41, verse 9. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, a man unto the Virgin Mary. The... This is more than just New Testament proof of fulfillment because this particular Bible passage shows Jesus knows full well he's going to be betrayed by Judas. Who else could do that but God's son, Jesus? Okay, this is the proof of that prediction being fulfilled. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That, that's the Apostle John. He talks about himself in third person like that. Um, i got to find out where I was. Okay, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, which is he motioned to John, to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, which is Judas. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he, which is Jesus, had said this to him. For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he, which is Judas, then went out immediately, and it was night. That's from John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. Now here's some more New Testament proof of that prediction being fulfilled. And while he, which is Jesus, was speaking, behold, 
Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign. This is Judas had given them a sign. The soldiers a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus, he, Judas, went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have thou, why have you come? Then they came and laid, they, the soldiers came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. That's from Matthew 26, verses 47 through 50. And this is about the uh, prediction that Jesus will be beat and spit upon before they crucify him. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from the shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. That's from Isaiah 50, verses 6 through 7, hundreds of years before Jesus was born and crucified and rose again. Uh, the New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, Jesus of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on, raiment means clothing, on him and led him away to crucify him. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 26 through 31. Within brackets I have, Jesus knew he would have to go through all of this in order to save us from our sins so that believers would have salvation in heaven with him someday. If it were me and I knew people were going to spit on me, mock me, and beat me, it would have been a real game changer. But Jesus went through all of this for us anyway, knowing all of this in advance. This is predicting bystanders would divide Jesus' clothes and cast lots for his coat. They part my, this is the prediction, they part my, rain, my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Vesture's clothing. I think it's outer clothing, but. Uh, so that's from Psalm 22, verse 18. The New Testament proof that the prediction was fulfilled. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. This predicts the piercing of Jesus' hand and feet when they nailed him on the cross. This is the prediction. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have. And within brackets, I have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 16. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled, and this is the same day that Jesus arose from the grave. This is Easter. Now, as they said these things, that's the disciples, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened as supposed they had seen the Spirit. And he, which is Jesus, said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, 
when he, Jesus, had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. That's from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, it was predicted that Je what Jesus would say on the cross when he died for our redemption. The prediction, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And that's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. The New Testament proves this verse was fulfilled is in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was a darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is predicting Jesus wouldn't suffer corruption. That means his body would not rot. The prediction for thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's from Psalm 16, verse 10. The prediction, I mean, the, the passage that shows that this prediction was fulfilled uh, it's from John 20, verses 25 through 29, when Jesus shows himself to the disciples the second time after arising from the grave. The other disciples therefore said to him, which is Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he, which is Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he, which is Jesus, said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You've heard all these predictions of Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, his birth, betrayal, death, and resurrection, and the fulfillment of these. Here are some additional noteworthy passages so you're not led astray by those who would try to dissuade Christians from believing in God the Father, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jude forewarns us of those trying, trying to lead believers astray from the love of God and Jesus Christ is sin. I had to write a note. I left out a word. I have to edit it. Sorry. You, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write, this is Jesus writing this, to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, that means evilness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Jude, verse 1 through 4. And this is from Jesus Christ, God's Son, washed our sins from us when we died and arose from, from us. 
when he died and rose from the dead, he washed our sins from us, those that believe in him. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and princes unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's from Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. Jesus tells John in the brook, I've written this. Jesus tells John in the book of, book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, that's the last book of the Bible and the previous verse came from there. They should stay strong, hold fast, and repent because Jesus comes like a thief in the night and believers undefiled shall walk in white with him and Jesus will not blot out their name from the book of life but will confess their name to God the Father and they should focus on what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white. I have in bracket the word clothed, white clothes. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. That's from Revelation 3, verses 2 through 7. Within brackets, I have, after all my research analysis, I have determined that it is very consistent that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us, but cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. So within brackets. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were of the sixth, sixth day. That's from Genesis 1, verse, verse 31. God created this perfect world and all that was in it, but God allowed us to have the choice to follow his rules and to choose to love him or not. When man did things that were contrary to what was good for them, he had consequences for this. In that sin and death entered the world when Adam and Eve did this, to eat of the forbidden fruit. God did not turn his back on them. Like a loving father, God made sure they were clothed and protected them from the weather of the no longer perfect world. And this is a verse. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. That's from Genesis 3:21. Also within brackets, Adam and Eve could no longer be in the Garden of Eden as a consequence for their not choosing to follow God's commands. Still, God wanted for them to be able to join him in heaven someday, so he provided his only begotten son who would die and arise to atone for our sins so believers could join him in heaven someday. Not only do I base my analysis on the predictions about Jesus in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New Testament, but also on the following Bible verses. When he, which is Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the Heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That is from Matthew verses 3, I mean, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So there's a lot of verses, because there are quite a few people that heard God speak about Jesus being his beloved Son at his baptism. 
and then also again in his transfiguration. And these are from that. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, which is Jordan River. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him. Like a duck. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Sorry, I left out a T out of parting and said pairing. And I don't profess to be perfect, but I just do my best and pay my way through. Okay. Actually, I have to look that up and I'll put that in there. And that was for Mark. And I didn't write down the verse for that. So I'll add this when it goes on the, um, on the, when I put it on my blog. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. That is from Luke chapter three, verses 21 through 22. And John the Baptist. And John, which is the Baptist, bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, which is Jesus. I did not know him, but he, which is God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John, which is John the Baptist, stood with two of his, of his disciples and Looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's from John chapter 1. Not John the Baptist wrote this. The apostle John wrote this. John chapter 1, verses 32 through 36. And these are at Jesus' transfiguration before he is betrayed. Um, I had to write myself another note. I forgot to put the is in there. When he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear them. Oh, crumb. I also forgot to write the verse for Matthew that is. I have all of this that I will put on the blog, uh, blog site because I don't have enough time to look it up right now. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, Hiram. That's from Mark 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. While he, which is Peter, was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. That's from Luke 9, verses 34 through 35. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's from John verses, chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. For we, and here's another, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This is from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Remember, John 3, 16, 
verses 16 through 21, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to, into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. Follow Christ, the light of the world, who provides believers with everlasting life and heaven with him. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me and my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.